2: This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on V the Sports Betting Network.
3: This is the look ahead on V the Sports Betting Network. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. NBA playoffs continue with the Western Conference Finals coming up here on Wednesday night. The Mavericks at the Warriors line currently sitting. At Warriors minus five. Taking a look at the series price for the Western Conference Finals. And the Warriors are obviously heavily favored over the Mavericks. Minus 225 to Dallas. That is at plus 185. Looking at some correct score markets. The Warriors to win in a sweep is seven to one. The Warriors in 5 is plus 350, Warriors in 6 plus 450, Warriors in 7 plus 300. If you like the Dallas Mavericks, for them to sweep it's 25 to 1. You get 7 to 1 for them to win in 7, for them to win in 6 it's 5 to 1, and for the Mavericks to win in in uh, 5 it's 14 to 1. The series spread Warriors minus one and a half games. You know, I I look at this series and I think that if you like the Warriors to win, makes no sense to bet the minus 225. What you can do is, and you know, it's, look, things can happen, right? People talked about this in the Kentucky Derby. Well, you can shorten your odds by eliminating some horses, so... Eliminate the 80-to-1 shot at the end. And what happens? (laughs) The 80-to-1 shot wins the Kentucky Derby. But when you look at the the, the Warriors, let's say you're going to give Dallas a game in this series. So eliminate the sweep and eliminate the game seven and bet the Warriors to win in five or six. And what I think is going to happen is I think the Warriors, if they win this series, the Warriors are going to win it in game six. Or actually, no. Warriors are going to win it in five on their home floor. If the Mavericks win this series, I think they can win it in six or seven. So let's see here. You got the Warriors in five at plus three fifty. Already a better shot than taking the minus two twenty five. You got the Mavericks in six at five to one, and the Mavericks in seven at seven to one. As opposed to the plus one eighty five. Now hear me out. Why do I think that those are the scenarios? Well Warriors are gonna be Warriors are favored for a reason. I, I they are when, cape, when, when right, and that's always the stipulation with this Warriors team, when they're on, when right, when they flip the switch, their light's out. Problem is that we don't see that all the time. And we've seen glimpses of it in this postseason. But if the Warriors turn it on, they can run through the Mavericks in this series. I think the Dallas Mavericks are live. And for the Warriors, let me finish that thought. If they run through the Mavericks, that means they're going to win games one and two at home. They'll split in Dallas. They'll win the series at home in game five. I don't think if the Warriors win this series, I don't think it goes beyond that. That's how the Warriors win this series. For Dallas... I think it's six, right? I think Dallas earns maybe a a, a split here in in San Francisco. Or even if they get swept, I think Dallas holds serve and wins on their home floor. And they could be up 3-2 going, you know, to San Francisco for game five. Or up 3-1, I should say. Lose that game and then win in six, win 4-2. At uh, at home in Game Six, Dallas is playing too good bass, too good a brand of basketball right now to be this heavy of an underdog. The Warriors have been too inconsistent to be this high of a favorite. There's not that much of an argument anymore that Luka Doncic is the best player in this series. And I'm not so sure how the Warriors are going to defend him. Jason Kidd has done a tremendous job coaching in this playoffs. The adjustments that he's made, the defense that this Mavericks team is playing, that was no fluke. Beating the Suns. This Mavericks team is good. Luca is on another level. And if the Warriors bring the same inconsistencies that they brought against the Grizzlies, they will lose this series. I absolutely believe the Mavericks are live dogs. Absolutely. Will my opinion change after game one if the Warriors blow them out by 20-something? Yeah, probably. Will my opinion be strengthened if the Mavericks win as a five-point dog? Of course it will. Will my opinion change if this is a game that is close, Dallas loses, they don't cover, they lose by 7-10, 12. I don't think my opinion changes that. Like, if this game winds up being like the closeout game against the Grizzlies where the Warriors wound up winning by double digits so the Grizzlies didn't cover the eight, but throughout the entire game, that was a close game. That was a battle. And it wasn't until the final three minutes of the game where the Warriors pulled away and covered the spread. So... If we have one of those type of games, it ain't going to change my opinion on the series. The only thing that can change my opinion is if the Warriors win this game in blowout fashion. But I don't see that happening. I think Dallas is absolutely live here against the Warriors. And a total of 214. I think it goes over. I mean, the Warriors. So Dallas goes over that in, let's see, one. Really, only three out of the six games, three out of the seven games, they go over that against the Suns. The Warriors, meanwhile, they go over it in, I guess, one, two, three, four. Just three of the six games. So no real trend there. Just kind of a feel because this series is going to feature a lot of three-point shooting. We know the Warriors love taking threes, right? We're going to see a lot of it. And we're going to see a lot of it from the Dallas Mavericks. I just look at what they've done in in that Suns series. Luka takes double-digit threes. They took 30, so here we go. Mavericks took 39 threes in the closeout game uh, against the Suns in game seven. In game six, they took 39 threes. All right, let's see here. Moving down to game number five. all right let's see let's go to game number four they took 44 okay let's keep going let's go game number three i'm not writing these numbers down but so far we got what 39 39 32 44 right that's what we're at something like that uh 39 again okay It's good Good. Let's go to games two. 41. All right. Okay. And in game number one, 39. 39 seems to be the magic number, right? So I got a team. Now, if my computer would update, I'll give you the uh, numbers on the Golden State Warriors. So in their previous series, probably an average of 39. That's kind of like what it was in in every game. And a, a couple of over 40 whatnot. Warriors, 53. Okay. That was in the closeout game. Let's see. Let's go to the game before that. 39. All right. Next game before that. Against Memphis, let's see. We have, give me a good number here, 37. Oh, it's a little low, right? 37. How about the next game? Warriors, 32. That was a low number. And let's keep going right here. 38. So we're going to see conservatively. 70 uh, 75 80 to 85 three-pointers attempted between both teams. This game's going over. Sean Green from the Sports Gambling Podcast will join me next. I'm Scott Seidenberg with The Look Ahead here on VC.
1: This is The Look Ahead on VCN, the sports betting network.
3: Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only, terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See so DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Seidenberg back here on The Look Ahead here on v Joining us now from the Sports Gambling Podcast, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, is Sean Green. You follow him on Twitter at Sean T. Green. And Sean, let's start with the Western Conference Finals that we will see here on Wednesday night. I just got done talking about the total. And while some would think... Yeah, it's a little bit high in the 214, 214 and a half range. Both of these teams love shooting three-pointers. And if you just look at the average between the two of them, I don't think it's crazy to say, Sean, that we're going to see maybe 80 three-pointers taken between both of these teams. And if that's the case, we might get 100 points just from the three-point line.
4: Yeah, no. I mean, uh, we had this conversation off air and you were, you, you made a compelling case because if they attempt 80 and even, you know, they could, th- these two teams, they could easily hit 50%. Even if they don't, let's say you're a conservative, they hit 35 that you already got yourself to 105. And then to your point, um, <laughs> pre-show uh, the, the free throws, like these are both teams that hit their free throws that get to the line that are savvy on their attempts. And then they they both have good mid-range games and also don't play an insane amount of defense. I mean, maybe you're worried cuz the Mavericks put on such a clinic in game 7 against the Suns. Maybe they have a little bit of a uh, regression coming to them shooting-wise, but man, I I still like this uh yeah, I I don't usually go hard on the totals, but even at 214 two and a half, I feel like you have to hammer the over. I just think
3: that yes, these are two very good defensive teams. But the shooting, and both of these teams are capable of of shooting lights out. And, and what's been going so well for the Mavericks is this, you know, the drive and penetration and kick out. Guys like Dorian Finney-Smith hitting three-pointers. It's really been a big part of the game. And Luca, of course, can just shoot double-digit threes himself and make three to four of them. So uh, I like the over in this game. I, I lean Mavericks, though, taking the points. And I think the Mavericks are live dogs in this series. What's your thoughts?
4: Yeah, no, uh, we, uh, on our, uh, on our preview show for the conference finals, we threw out. Uh, you, know, you could get it at plus six twenty five for the Heat to meet the Mavs. I mean, again, going back to the Eastern Conference, I, I think the fact that the you know that the Heat were such dogs that they were at the series price. I mean, you could have got uh, plus one seventy five. I think was a little crazy uh, as far as the Mavs, and they're off to a great one zero start. Mm-hmm. As far as the Mavs though, yeah, I think they're gonna be a, a live dog. I mean, you saw the Warriors struggle with Job ja Morant. I mean, news flash. You know, Luca is a little bit better than John Moran and, and especially just like a tough guy to guard Like, who guards Luca. I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming maybe they try and put Wiggins on him, but I, I think they're really going to have their hands full stopping him. Now the, the flip side is the warriors come on with the chip on their shoulder. You know, you heard Seth Curry go like, yeah, Hey, we weren't in the playoffs these past two years. We're hungry, but the Mavs seem to be you know, that young upstart team. And and we see this all the time where the, the superstar emerges, like I could easily see us looking back in a couple of years and going, man, that was really the Mavs year. That was really Lucas year to kind of come out and make a name for himself. And them winning this series, I, I don't think is shocking. I really, I like them game one getting a plus five and I think they're live dogs both game one and game two. I, I think, I think the series will be tied one, one going back to Dallas.
3: Yeah. Uh, and I probably will do some sort of zigzag here. taking the loser of this game one to respond in game two, because I do agree. I think there's going to be a split in these first two games. Uh, let's talk some football. Uh, I had a big discussion today about some of the win totals and based on the schedule and just, Really, based on the power rankings of the teams, forget about the schedule strength, the schedule. Just how good are these teams? And uh, I, I was talking about the, your Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm giving you possession of them, Sean. And, <laughs> I do.
4: I do have the sign behind me. Yes, so thank yes,
3: you. exactly. And their total is at nine. You can get. You can see nine and a halfs on the board here for the Eagles' win totals. I think they're better than they were last year. Obviously, they're better at the receiving core. The quarterback yep. now has uh another year or so to develop and this is a team that for some reason whether it's you know the fact that they got blown out in against Tampa or whatever it is people forget they were
4: in the playoffs last year, Sean. Yeah. They were yeah. a playoff team that got better. No, and and again, they were a second half team. Like they they started out 2 and 5 but they had some really tough games there. They had the, uh, you know, 49ers who ended up making it as the NFC championship game. Uh, They had a game against the chiefs. They had the Tampa Bay bucks. I mean, that was a tough start for a team with essentially a rookie quarterback, a quarterback in his first year as a starter and a, in a first year head coach. I mean, they were two and five and then they got hot, went on a run, you know, got their butts kicked in the playoffs, but Hertz was banged up again. You know, you're losing to Brady in a playoff game when you have no playoff experience. I I don't think it's anything to to be ashamed of. And again, I really like what they did with the draft. They've quietly shifted to a 3-4. And Jordan Davis is really gonna be good up there up front. Nakobe Dean is a fun long shot there. And then obviously AJ Brown, like their offense, if we can get any sort of leap up from Jalen Hurts, they're gonna be in a in a really good spot there with AJ Brown. And I think AJ Brown, not only is he, is he a great run after the catch receiver, but a guy like Jalen hurts who maybe struggles with some accuracy stuff. Uh, maybe struggles hitting people in stride. AJ Brown has a massive catch radius. So yep. We saw that with Ryan Tannehill, why did Ryan Tannehill go from the Dolphins to the Titans and become a much better quarterback? Uh, there's there's a number of reasons, but one of them jumps out as AJ Brown. Like when you have a giant target like that and you saw you know Tannehill's numbers with and without Brown, it is a it is a drop-off. So I think he's gonna be a huge jump for them. And then you know, looking at the schedule. I mean, I was I was joking around with my buddies going 13 and four. 13 and 4 <laughs> is realistic. I think that's uh, even as a you know. As a betting analyst, I would say that's insane. But, um, yeah, when we uh, did our early uh win total show, it was still at eight and a half. Um, it's like you said, I think it's up to nine, maybe even nine and a half. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I I don't know if I would take an over if it gets all the way to ten, but over nine and a half, I feel it is really good. And and again, their offensive line was one of the best in the league. That's how you stay in these games. And you know, the, the schedule to the to the point as far as the schedule breaking right for them week five against the Cardinals. Now, if uh, all things go uh, according to plan and Deandre Hopkins is still suspended, which maybe he overturns it. But again, we've seen Kyler with and without Deandre Hopkins. That's a big difference. And they've, they've struggled as, as, as embarrassed as I am to bring it up when they play the Cowboys on the road in Dallas. And you know, this game at Dallas is their third road game. So that, that game there probably would have been in a very tough spot to pull that out regardless of the team. So yeah, you can see that one, but then you end the season at home against the saints who will see uh, how they look with first year head coach, Dennis Allen and uh, Jameis Winston, assuming he's still the quarterback at the time and then, and then giants at home, which they always take care of. So I think they will be in a good spot. To get into the playoffs and eight and a half, especially uh, like that early on. And then even now that it's up to like nine, nine and a half, I still like it.
3: Yeah, I think they're going to be good. I think they'll win the division this year, to be honest. And um, and I'm all in on this Philadelphia Eagles team. Like I said, I had an argument today that I said, well, the books are going to start to move this thing to nine and a half. And I found a nine and a half on their win total. So, uh that is that's the way that the books are moving with this one. Uh the Giants have a very easy strength of schedule. According to all metrics, they have the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. Does that concern you as an Eagles fan that the Giants racking up some wins here early in the season maybe?
4: Uh you know, if they had a quarterback, I think I would be a little bit more nervous, but I I just I watch Daniel Jones and I and I just don't see it. I, I think their offense is still going to struggle. I, I just, I, I don't see how they move the ball. I get it. Brian Dables coming to town. Hey, Daniel Jones is all of a sudden going to turn into Josh Allen (laughs) 2.0, but you forget Josh Allen. Yeah. He started out rough, but he continued to look better. Daniel Jones has regressed like his best year in my opinion was his rookie year. Like you saw some flashes were like, okay, maybe this is the guy. And then we just haven't seen that. And I get it. It's scheme the line. You can create these excuses for these guys but I think at some point you have to see some flashes of him making the, the people around him better at the quarterback position. I just haven't seen that. They just law, they just cut Bradbury uh, for salary cap reasons. So I do think there's some issues with the secondary as well. Um, I I think overall their defense should still be pretty solid. And I do think Dable, um, I am worried he could be a good head coach. I Mm. think Dable is the biggest concern as far as the giants being good, but Again, they've been the worst team in the NFL over the past ten years, so I I, I think that might continue. Not
3: that worried, Sean. Appreciate the time and the conversation, my friend. There he is, Sean Thanks, Grand Grant, Sports Gambling Podcast. Check those guys out, Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm Scott Zaidenberg. It's the Look Ahead here on VCN. This is the Look Ahead
2: on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: The VSIN Spring Special is here. For only $59, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VSIN.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB Best Bets. Jonathan Von Tobel's going to have Best Bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup Playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VSIN experience, which features a daily best bets email every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use some of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter. At Scotts on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs continuing. The uh, conference semifinals got underway here on Tuesday night with the Lightning beating the Panthers, upsetting them as a short underdog. Uh, they were plus, or the Florida was minus one seventy. Was the Panthers, um, and they they ruined my South Florida parlay. I did a little South Florida parlay with the Miami Heat, the Miami Marlins, and the Sunrise Florida Panthers. South Florida parlay did not come through. I should have just called it the Florida parlay and went with Tampa instead of Sunrise. But anyway, uh, Tampa wins 4-1. They take a 1-0 series lead. And this is now something to keep an eye on and maybe something to bet on Looking ahead to Game 2, which will be on Thursday. Panthers minus 160 in that game. In Round 1, four home favorites lost Game 1. All four of those home favorites responded with wins in Game 2. That's something to keep an eye on with the playoffs to see what happens here, right? Game one, as we, uh, I'll go through all the series here real quick. It was game one, the Kings beat the Oilers in Edmonton. Edmonton responded with a win in game two and a big win covering the one and a half puck line, okay? You had the uh, Flames won at home in game one, so that doesn't count for them. The uh, Blues beat the Wild in Minnesota in Game One. Minnesota responded with a big win in Game Two, covering the puck line. So that's two and zero. Avalanche was a sweep, so that didn't matter. Penguins beat the Rangers in the triple overtime game in Game One. Rangers responded with a five two win in Game Two, three and zero, covering the puck line there. The uh, Hurricanes beat the Bruins in Game One, so that doesn't matter there. Uh, Leafs beat the Lightning. In game one in Toronto, nothing there. Capitals upset the Panthers. Panthers responded with a 5-1 win in game two. So 4-0 and covering the puck line as well. So with game one here, Panthers losing. I would look towards the Panthers winning and covering the puck line in game two. The Avalanche almost suffered a loss. As they uh, beat the Blues in overtime 3-2, to two. Colorado is undefeated so far in this playoffs. They had the 4-0 sweep in the first round against the Predators and now winning here Game 1 against the Blues. So 5-0 in the playoffs for the Colorado Avalanche. Coming up here on Wednesday, the Rangers and Hurricanes will begin their series in Carolina. And get this. The Hurricanes are not selling tickets to fans outside of the North Carolina region. And this is pretty hilarious because they don't want, I guess, Rangers fans in the building. We saw this happen with the Rams in the NFC Championship game, right? They restricted sales to the greater Los Angeles area because they didn't want that entire building being 49ers fans like it was in the regular season. Uh, the statement from the Hurricanes website says, "Quote: Very important. PNC Area, uh, excuse me, PNC Arena is located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Sales to this event will be restricted to residents of North Carolina, South Carolina, and Southern Virginia. Residency will be based on credit card billing address." Orders by residents outside North Carolina, South Carolina, and Southern Virginia will be canceled without notice and refunds given. They don't want Rangers fans coming into that building. I mean, I don't know if Rangers fans would travel down to Raleigh, North Carolina to go to this game. Maybe they will. Or if there are any transplanted New Yorkers in the area that would go. But that is pretty funny. Uh, Panthers right now minus 165. Rangers plus 145 on the comeback. And a total of five and a half is what I'm seeing here for the Rangers in this series, in this uh, series opener. Now it's at six, actually, with the under heavily juiced. So that probably might, it might go down, back down to five and a half. But I would look towards uh, the Rangers here. I think Igor Shesterkin found something. Uh, in Game 7 against uh, the Penguins. And really, yeah, in Game 6 and Game 7. And if you look at just the goaltending, and this is wild, he was bad. So Shesterkin, the Rangers have a goaltending edge here. Let's just get that out of the way. It's Shesterkin for the Rangers, likely the Vesna Trophy winner, going up against former Ranger, Antti Ranta, who's the backup because Frederick Anderson is out. And that's fine. Like, Ronta's a very good um, uh, goaltender. He's capable of being a starter. But anyway, as bad as Shesterkin was in games three and four, being pulled from the game and not playing in the third periods, take a look at the rest of of that series game one game two game five game six and game seven and then look at the third periods of those games and the overtime in game one in the entire series Igor Shesterkin faced 101 shots in the third period and overtime. He allowed one goal, and that was the goal in triple overtime to lose game one. So granted, he had a bad stretch in games three and four and had to get pulled. But in the third period, when the game's on the line, crunch time, even in the losses, no goals allowed. That is the mark of an elite championship goaltender. And I think the Rangers are absolutely live in this series. They're even live moving forward to win the East and move on on the strength of their goaltender, Igor Shesterkin. Oilers at the Flames and Calgary minus 160 with a total of six. And uh, just looking at this series, it's the Battle of Alberta. And I think that it's going to be very, very fun. Um, Markstrom's been very good in net for Calgary. Mike Smith on and off. For the Oilers, I love the offense for the Oilers. I think Calgary can can score as well. I, I, this series to me feels like it's going to be the opposite of what we saw with Calgary and Dallas. This is just going to be a different style than what Calgary saw with Dallas. Whereas you know they, they, they that was tough sledding with a team that had you know a, a, a goaltender that was playing lights out and a, um, a a team that had a really good defensive strategy. Here, I think th- there's going to be more open ice, a uh, couple more odd man rushes, and I think that this is going to be an over series. So look for the overs in the games between the Oilers and the Flames. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter, at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S. O N a I R coming up next. We'll go through the baseball board again and see if we can finalize our card or at least come as close to we can to see what our feelings are for some of these games, especially the early day games. This is the look ahead. Don't forget. Follow us all on Twitter at V live. This is V-CIN V sports betting network. in the Sports Betting Network. Get your edge this playoff season with the Body Armor Edge Basketball Throwdown. Join four free fantasy hoops contests and play for your share of $20,000 in total cash prizes while the action unfolds on the court. Head to DraftKings.com slash Body Armor Edge now to draft your best lineup and find out if you'll outlast the competition. Body armor, more than a sports drink. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restricted supplies. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's The Look Ahead here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. have to go over the last couple of baseball games that we kind of neglected earlier on the schedule here for Wednesday. And then I want to go back and really start to dive into some of these uh, games. But the ones that we left out didn't touch on at all. Pirates, Cubs, Drew Smiley against Undecided. Undecided, really good pitcher. Uh Angels and Rangers, Shohei Ohtani against Dane Dunning, total a seven and a half with the A Angels minus 160. White Sox and Royals, uh, Lucas Giolito and Zach Granke, White Sox minus 160, total of seven and a half. Um, kind of want to look at, let's see, some trends here. The best.
2: Wherever you listen.
3: Over team in baseball is the Cincinnati Reds, 23 12 and 1. The second best over team in baseball is the Atlanta Braves, 2014 and 2. And I posed this question earlier to Cody Decker when we had him on, and I was thinking about it. The Braves and Brewers, the total is six and a half for this game. Now, both games in this series have gone way under we saw a one nothing win for Milwaukee in game 1 of this series a three nothing win for Atlanta in game 2 of this series so why would this game go over is it that easy been a low-scoring series. Bats are dead, or maybe this is where they break out. You got two great pitchers. You got a total at six and a half, and you got a team in the Braves that, despite the two recent unders, are still twenty fourteen and two to the under this the the over this season. Um, uh, On the road, though, seven and nine. As the home team for Milwaukee, they are seven and nine. So no real trends there, but kind of interesting stuff. Um, Tigers and Rays, Rasmussen against Eduardo Rodriguez. For Drew Rasmussen, um, last couple of outings, just been stellar. Five and two-thirds, allowing just one run against Toronto. Five innings, allowing just one run against Seattle. Five innings, allowing just one run against Oakland. Six innings, allowing no runs against Seattle. That is a tremendous stretch of baseball. And for Eduardo Rodriguez... Can't say the same beyond... Now, the last start was great against Baltimore. Then again, it was against Baltimore. Six and two-thirds, no runs. Against Houston, he goes six and two-thirds, allows only one run. He gets rocked by the Dodgers, four runs in five and two-thirds, three runs to Minnesota in six innings, three runs to the Yankees in six innings, two runs to the Red Sox, Three runs to the White Sox. So this one too. Kind of Rasmussen with an edge over Eduardo Rodriguez, but Rodriguez has been good. Total is six and a half. So I can see this being a a, a first five under. It's gonna be low. It's gonna be like three and a half. But consider this. I just gave you the starting, I just gave you the starting pitching numbers. And Rasmussen's been great four starts, last four starts. And Erod's been good the last two starts. But the Tigers, (coughs) excuse me, are the lowest scoring team in baseball in the first five innings. 1.22 runs in the first five innings. On the road this season, they average less than one run per first five innings. Point zero point zero point eight six runs per first five. At home, if you're looking at Tampa, they average one point eight five runs per first five at home. It just feels like an under, right? Feels like an under first five innings. Even at a number, I'd I, I love the number to be four. But at three and a half, I think I think it's a play. At three, is it a play? It, it, it could be still. Now, what's the stronger play? Is it the Rays in the first five? Or is it the Tigers in... The first five, is the, the total in the first five. Um, if we look at the Rays and their team batting splits this year against left-handed pitchers, they are, let's see, uh, oof, actually good versus lefties, 687 OPS. It's a little better than the 671 OPS that they have against righties. Uh, Let's see. I'd love some advanced numbers here. Rays, team, splits. All right, let's see if we can get some advanced numbers here on the Tampa Bay Rays. Because that's the decision right now. Because there's definitely a play here in this game. It's just a matter of finding which is the play. Is it the under in the first five? Or is it the rays in the first five? You're definitely not going to be uh going with the tigers at all here. Um let's see, can I get a lefties here? I'm trying to find uh, some 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 advanced numbers. I got their regular numbers, but it's not really doing me well. But anyway, that's gonna be the decision that I'm gonna have to make as I dive deeper into these uh advanced numbers. Now let's take a look here at the Oof, the Giants and the Rockies, as we kind of go through the rest of this day schedule here, Giants will have Logan Webb on the hill, and he has been fantastic. He's off to a 5-1 start this season. His last couple of outings, one run in six innings against St. Louis. That's after he got rocked for four runs in five innings against St. Louis. And then three runs in each in, uh, of his last... Three starts prior to that. So this is a guy that does give up runs despite having the great record. It's a getaway day for the Giants, and they are going for the sweep. But it's not really a getaway day situation for the Giants because they have an off day on Thursday. I wish it was a getaway day spot. But, um, you know, I think think the Rockies are live dogs. I worry about Kyle Freeland a bit, though. He has the tendency to get hit and get hit hard. So that's what I'd have to take a look at, dive deeper into Freeland's numbers, see if there's anything that I like there. But I think the Rockies could be live dogs here at home. Uh, Twins and A's, Dalton Jeffries, Sonny Gray, total of seven and a half. I mean, you almost have to like the over, even though the A's are just not a good scoring team. I mean, look at, they win this game 5-2, to two, which, by the way, I, I I didn't bet it, but I saw there was a lot of steam coming in on the A's, even at the plus money price. I mean, this line moved. There was a lot of money coming in on the A's, and they win this game 5-2. to two, But the, the prior three losses before that, they scored a one run in each game. So this is an offense that is not scoring. I will update my baseball card on the... Vsin.com daily best bets from hosts page and i will tweet it out at scotts on air when those bets have been updated and you can check that live doc throughout the day uh one of the great exclusive perks of being a Vsin subscriber coming up this morning on follow the money jeff Sealy, golf handicapper we'll talk about the pga uh so will uh gary mccord from Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio. And then Dennis Bernstein from Sirius XM NHL Radio, thefourthperiod.com at 9.30 Eastern Time. We'll talk all things Stanley Cup playoffs. You can follow me on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I I will tweet out when I have updated some plays on the Daily Best Bets page up on BCN.com, and as well as the Major League Baseball play of the day.